Welcome to ITAD Talk and part two in this series. Here is your host, Jeff Bittner. You know, you often mentioned uh, like the batteries, and, and I know that uh, that's kind of become an issue too for some of the recyclers. And uh, now we've got the electric cars and the batteries. And, you know, I was talking about how the, the risk that you have to treat the batteries properly so they don't catch on fire and everything. So have, have you seen some of that in some of the plants that you're um, doing the certifications on? Yeah, so I mean, I would say that the last three or four years, the industry as a whole has worked really hard, the EPA and the DOT, at least in the states, to try to get that information out to recyclers about handling them, safety precautions to put in place, how to package, label, um, and ship. And I think that it's helped. They did a series of free webinars across the country before COVID. The EPA and the, D and the DOT had teamed up together on that. And then, then at all of the conferences, we've done a lot of industry you know, roundtables about how to manage that material. We do see fires, and we have continually seen fires, but I think people are getting better with managing them. Mm -hmm. They're also showing up in the landfills and in the what we call materials recovery facilities. So if your recycle truck comes and you throw it in your recycle bin and then they bring it to the plant the minute they open up the back of that truck, they're having fires. And if you talk to those people, wow. they get two to three fires a week in oh their, in their trucks or on their facilities. <sighs> yeah. So it's a, it's really big. There are some new big uh, lithium recycling battery facilities in the U.S. that have opened in the last year, two years. So it's a huge market. There's a lot going on in it. Um, I'm confident that the key important strategy around re keeping those rare earth metals you know, available back into the economy is occurring. It's just the safety around transport and, and our recyclers end up with that material. You know, it's really hard to dismantle a full platform of a car battery. It's, it's dangerous. <laughs> and so the least amount of, you know, material handling that's involved with that, the better. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's definitely, uh, important and has to be handled correctly. And it's uh, definitely a, a, a safety issue as well for the, especially for yep. the frontline workers. Yep, so absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you about the transition to R2V3 and uh, what is involved in it and why is that uh, an important point? So R2V3 was a culmination of five years of work with the technical advisory committee to try to reduce some of the loopholes that we saw occurring with the older standard to address data security issues a little bit more robustly, well, considerably more robustly. And we also try to simplify things by having appendices. So depending on what type of work you do at your facility, you would only certify to particular appendices. So if I were to look at you as a recycling partner, I could see from your certificate that you did data destruction and reuse or end of life management. So that was the intent, that was one of the intents with the new standard. And also just to really work on quality control. The the way the certification system works within the electronics recycling and iPad world there is a standard for that, and then they're also required to have um, complementary environmental health and safety and quality standards as well, depending on which appendices they're certifying to. So we know that in the ISO world that there's a certain level of continuity that's to be expected, but R2 is a little bit different, and it's prescriptive for particular requirements. And so it's been tough 
working with the certification bodies who are the people that do the auditing to get their auditors to understand that R2 is a little bit different. So with R2v3, instead of trying to train those auditors that we've been training for years and still having them miss key issues in their audits, the intent was to make it more clear in the standard so it wasn't it, it wasn't kind of vague for them. It was just really clear what was required. So a lot of the requirements in R2v3 are exactly the same as they were in 2013. They're just called out more prescriptively, and it's easier for the auditors to know exactly what to look for. And then some of the requirements, like I said, around data security and downstream due diligence have been elaborated on more to meet the requirements for current materials and practices going on in the industry. Okay. And is there anything more that you wanted to add to that? Uh, well, like, like one question might be, uh, how many companies are actually certified to that standard currently? I know that we're, that we're working on it currently. Yeah, I think over 900. Um, I, I was just talking to somebody the other day about it, and I think there's over 900 worldwide. No, what I meant was uh, the R2v3, because I know that that's, oh, there's, oh, only, the there's only a handful of companies that, because um, yeah, it just I think came there's out. maybe... 10 or 12. Um, part of the problem is that there's a little bit of a lag in that reporting because that, so our company started having audits to R2v3 in February, but the certification bodies weren't fully accredited to issue their certificates. Mm, okay. So for example, we had a company that got audited in February. They were probably the first one that got audited, but the certification body that they had worked with did not get accredited until recently, and they just got their certificate a couple of weeks ago. So I think we'll see that list getting bigger <laughs> daily as those certificates start getting issued. They may have already done their audits, done their movement over to the new standard. They just haven't gotten their certificate yet from there. So, so a question about that. We, we were kind of talking about that, uh, some of us at the uh, ITED show. Um, what, do you have an idea of what percentage of companies will choose not to go forward with R2v3? I'm just curious. You know, I, it's interesting. I, I've heard different people really complaining about it and they decide they don't want to do it. But I think some people will sit back and see who gets certified and then they'll make that decision based on the competitive market for them. So so it, most I would say that the people that got R2V that got R2 certified in the beginning were people that are having that were required to have it from either their manufacturing partner, their government agency, you know, upstream client. Very few just said, "Oh, I want to do it because I want to be really good at what I do." And so I think it will be the same here. I think we'll have a drop-off of some people, but then I think they might come back on board. The intent really for this standard was to make it like a gold star achievement. And it, 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 nobody wants to lose recyclers from that list. However, they did want to eliminate people that really weren't doing a good job at being certified, mm. if that makes sense. You know, I was going to talk about that point, too, because I'm, I'm not sure exactly how long we've had our certification. If I had to guess, I would say somewhere around the 10, the 10 year mark. But it, it seems like when you first get it, it's kind of like, OK, we need this certification. And maybe, you know, an owner or manager or director is pushing everybody to get that. And then once they get it, they just kind of Put it, put it back in their test drawer. And it's it's not until that you you get the buy-in from the rest of the organization that things really start changing in your company and things really start improving. And I was wondering if you, if you saw that too. Oh, absolutely. So 
as much as we spend time with our companies trying to get them certified and understand how the system works and how best to, you know, benefit from it and all of those things, the first year is just kind of a, a wave of confusion. I think some people get a very, very small idea on what's going on, but it's, you're right, it's after the second year and third year that you start really integrating it into the culture of your organization. And that is typically when you start seeing the benefits from it, you know, the organizational benefits, the ability to do continual improvement, um, marketing it better, right? In the beginning, you're just like, we're R2, you know, certified. And, but as year two and three, you're like, you're able to say, hey, we're R2 certified and we're also, because of that, capable to show you X, Y, and Z, or we have this skill set. And so the people that are really integrated into the culture of their organization, meaning they have somebody on staff that understands the standard, is really working the standard well, those are the people that are going to stay certified. There are a lot of people that the certification kind of floats on top of their operation and it's in you know book or in a file and or they have a consultant that does almost all their work for them and nobody on site really is committed or culturally you know really on top of it in the organization, those are the ones who are going to lose. And yep. and while I, I don't want to lose any certified recyclers because I love the accountability in it, in some ways those people, they, they weren't getting the full benefit out of it anyway, and maybe consultant was making some good money off of them, but that's kind of about it. Um, yeah, and, and I was going to add too that I think uh, one important part of that process, and this might come a little bit more under the ISO uh, certification, but in, you know, if you're, because a lot of the ITEC companies are reselling these products, like you said, they're maybe reselling laptops to schools and so on. And um, if you're getting, you know, uh, RMAs back, then the the standard helps you look at, hey, you know, we need to see why is this happening and try to put a, cor a corrective action in place that, okay, well, maybe we're not testing uh, this portion of the product we're sending, or maybe we need to do a burn-in, or maybe we need to do a physical and visual inspection that's a little bit closer. You know, those sorts of things to find out why something's coming back. Is, is it a cosmetic reason? Is it, uh, you know, the, uh, the product just failed or it, it didn't, uh, you know, once they burned it in, it failed, you know, and, and those, those sorts of issues. That's exactly. So when, you know, we used to, do at eScrap or at the ITAB Summit or places like that. In fact, we were going to do it at the ITAB Summit. The, my panel chose not to come because people wanted a little bit more mask mandates and stuff in place. And mm. um, gotcha. So anyway, that panel, our, we canceled our panel. But part of what we used to do in those panels, and we were going to do it in this one, was have somebody talk about how it benefited your business. And that is how it benefits your business. Why are we getting RMAs? What's going on? Why are these parts, you know, how many are we getting failures on these parts? Are we counting these? Are we working with these vendors? What's our process for quality control around those things? Because in the end, it's going to save you money, right? You're going to spend less time circling and being reactive, and you're going to be more proactive in all of those things. Well, Same thing with inventory management. Well, I was going to say part of the problem, too, is that so somebody that's, you know, an ITEC company like ourselves, if – uh, you know, usually everybody that a lot, of, a lot of times people that we're getting the material from want to be paid very quickly. And so if you don't have a good process in place and you pay very quickly and then you're getting failures, then, then you're going to eat money. So it, it really is important to 
once again, circling back to the importance of, of those certifications and what they represent by the yeah. internal actions of those companies trying to be proactive. And, 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 and you know, a lot of us uh, have been staffed to just the amount of business we have and it's extra work and maybe yeah. maybe somebody doesn't want to do it. But, but when you start doing it, the profits start improving. So, yes, and that and that's, you know, you're right. Sometimes the reason you start the process is because an upper manager or somebody from buying or you know selling or whatever says we want to get these clients, so make this happen, and everybody sort of begrudgingly starts <laughs> the process, you know, with yeah. a lot of complaining, and then they get to the first year, and like I said, it's like okay, we made it, and then you're like, well, you know, here's the thing, yeah. <laughs> we need to continually use this system and demonstrate that we're using it. And that's how you get the most value out of it, is how do I market this? How do I use it for continual improvement? We have some clients that say, you know, we want you to come to your, our internal audit every year because I have this whole team here that's just not getting it together and they keep blowing me off. I want you to come in and be the bad cop and write mm. them up. <laughs> and while it's a kind of an awkward uh. situation, in a way, I get it. So you don't want to ruin your internal relationships with your team. And they keep, you have a bunch of people that keep blowing off the requirements of the standard. So you bring in the consultant to say, hey, you guys are doing great, except for over in this area. And, and then it sort of takes it off of that whoever the EHS person is, you know? Right. And, and I was, I was going to mention, you brought up another important point about, you know, to, to market it. So what do you think is the or, or some of the ways to market your uh, R2 or ISO certifications? Well, certainly when you're doing RFPs, when you're advertising to anybody you're trying to get new business with, if they don't understand what the certifications are, you need to have a really good understanding yourself when you present to them. So sometimes, like I think it was last year during COVID, I did two different webinars for companies with just a sales team about why it was really important to use an R2 certified recycler, what were the benefits, you know, what were the costs, the cost issues for uh, the recycler, why it was more expensive for them to do that, but what it allowed them to be able to demonstrate to the client in terms of transparency, uh, security around data risk, but also environmental health and safety for workers as well, right? So not just data, but are you treating your employees correctly? Is it a clean facility? Are you sending to a facility that, you know, three years down the road somebody's going to say, oh, you were contaminating your workers' air for three years, and now all these people have lead poisoning or mercury poisoning. You know, what is the sustainability commitment for the corporate client in terms of all of the downstream movement of their material? So, And that's more and more being called for in sort of the circular economy. You know, how do we sustainably manage all of our vendors upstream, right, whom we're buying from, but also where our trash goes, our recycling, our iPad material? How do we make sure as a company that we're being responsible? And don't forget, the best way to support iTad content is to rate and like the show on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you might listen. <laughs>